from west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 145 of the Dis Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Dis historian Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, producer, and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael? I'm doing well. I, I, um, you know, I've been going on walks every day, and so our neighbors told me about something that's in our neighborhood called the Painted Rock Trail, and I thought this is something. This might be a great idea for our listeners who are sheltered in place and are looking for a project or maybe even a community project. What it is, I guess a family in our neighborhood started this. We have a lot of hiking trails in our neighborhood because I live about a block away from a wetlands. And so there's a lot of little trails and parks and sitting areas and all that through there. And somebody just started this painted rock trail where people in the neighborhood are painting rocks. And sometimes it's whole families and all that. And it, it's rocks of just, you know, it, it's anything. Some are just colors. Some are um, from different movies. There's some people with great talent. Some people, uh, there's a great one of Hey Hey from Moana. Mm. And, and it looks, it's spectacular. There's a really clever one of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. And they have a little um, bandana wrapped around the rock. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, and some are from schools, the school, uh, you know, logos. And all that, and some have little, uh, you know, sayings, epitaphs on them, stuff like that. A lot of thank yous for either teachers or, uh, you know, our um, people like nurses, doctors, stuff like that. It's very cheerful down there, just lining the trail. And there's once in a while, there's signs that saying, you know, please leave the rocks, you know, for everybody to enjoy. Yeah. Don't take them with you. And but it's it's very nice, and it doesn't look like anybody has disturbed them. The only the only one thing I don't like is there's a, a, a bench there that's dedicated to somebody. People put rocks all over the bench, yeah. so you can't sit on the bench. I thought, you know, could have put them on the ground with everybody else. But um, it's so clever. As some people just put glitter all over the rocks. And so, so you know, and some it's clear it's a family with a lot of little children because, you know, so anyway, it's varying artistic abilities. But it's just such a pleasant little thing to see as you walk along. Yeah. And then, and then this, then it, it continued and I went on this trek where I was trying to get back home again. I think I ended up walking a mile and a half through some great areas because this all skirted the wetlands Mm -hmm. and so it was just wonderful being out in the sun and listening to all the different birds that live out there and the ducks and egrets and whatever else was around there and then we have a lot of little parks and then some large ones that unfortunately you know the little yellow tape was up so the squirrels were playing (laughs) on the play structure so i thought i have to bring some peanuts with me next time to feed the squirrels and um Anyway, so it's definitely a walk I would take. And I think I'm going to, 
it you know I, I've been told because we have neighbors that have contributed to this trail. And they use acrylic paints and then they spray the rock with uh, you know lacquer or varathane or something yeah. to protect it from the elements. I thought, okay, I've got to come up with something. Maybe you know I I'm not very good at painting, but uh, I don't know a quote from Walt Disney or see how I do with Mickey Mouse or something like that. Some people did rub ons. Okay, and yeah. um, and then just sprayed them yeah. and all that. I thought, I thought, well, I could put a connecting with Walt sticker on it, and just spray it, <laughs> yeah. you know, put it out there. It's a it's and, a great uh, idea, though. I mean, it's like, it is. I I know yeah. when this all started, a lot of people were resorting to sidewalk chalk and you know mm-hmm. constantly doing beautiful artwork on sidewalks, but. I mean, we haven't really had a problem with it in Florida because we have been going through a drought for quite a while now. So I can only remember like rain three times now in the past two months, I think. So it's, you know, it was lasting not because of the rain or it wasn't lasting not because of the rain, but because of just foot traffic constantly walking on the sidewalk. So I I, I like the idea of this that instead of, Instead of limiting it to like right on pathways and stuff, just paint some rocks and put them off to yeah. the side. Like it's very simple. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if you don't live in a place where where you know you could do this on a trail or something, you could do it in your neighborhood. Yeah. Put them in front of your house, or maybe get your neighbors to do it. Yeah. And I I just think it would be a fun thing to do. So, so you know, if you if you all decide to do that out there, you know, send us your photos, especially if you do Disney ones. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'd love to, I'd love to see your art, artistic, uh, you know, endeavors there at that. That would be great. Yeah. So anyway, so that was fun. That was a fun little discovery for me. I didn't discover it, but um, it was a fun walk. It was much more interesting than the walking through our neighborhood streets. So it's definitely a walk I'll take again, although <laughs> I have no idea how I got home because <laughs> the neighbor that told me, oh, it's just a loop and it'll take you right by the, the the kids' play playground that we have in our neighborhood. And I thought, yeah, okay, this this was much bigger than she led me to believe <laughs> so um at, at towards the end because I, I mean i sort of knew okay what direction to go in so i kept taking paths to that direction but finally i thought okay I, I i had to use google maps just to make sure i was going in the right direction and i was and um but, oh the other thing though is is on the trail it says like walk left bikes right i thought okay this is great they use the same exact message no matter what direction you were walking in, which meant that if bikers were coming in the opposite direction of me, they were coming at me straight on. That's yeah. I was just about to say that. Like I, it's not rare to see the the paths that say stay to the right, but mm-hmm. what you're describing, unless it's a four lane walking path or biking path activity path like how how does that work (laughs) yeah so i had to keep an eye on it so that i could switch lanes but we were all constantly you know dodging each other weaving and and i thought i thought what is this until i realized oh nobody when they put this together thought hey we need another set yep of these so, um, if anybody in my town is listening who has a, the city council or the park commission's ear, you might want to tell them they need to 
fix that. <laughs> just get some paint thinner and get a whole bunch of paint and make it a fun do-it-yourself project yeah. right now and yeah. make make all of it. I don't know how wide the path is, but make it make it work that way. And then everyone just has <laughs> yeah. like a foot to walk or bike in and has to stay in that that amount of area. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, it was fun. It was a nice walk. Good. But, um, oh, so oh, have you seen any of the virtual talks that all the different I don't know places have been putting on? Because I've watched quite a few. I've been that's been keeping me a little busy. Uh, I honestly haven't had the time. So uh, even even when it's come to just like I'm, I'm glad it's pretty much at the end of the TV season because like I haven't even been able to keep up with with television that i watch and mm-hmm. yeah I, i've watched a couple movies here and there like i do a a virtual movie club with with some friends on sunday nights so like i, I i've been watching at least one movie a week but yeah, i just haven't i have not been uh i haven't been doing too much uh visual at least uh mm-hmm. in terms of like television and computer i haven't been doing a lot of stuff on on that in my free time so i my my goal is i've been saying it now for months i've been reading the uh, alexander hamilton book that oh, inspired okay. lin manuel miranda and i mean this thing is a textbook in every sort of fashion the the paperback's only 773 pages so it's like you know if it's not that long except you know the the book itself is like eight nine inches tall and then the print is about as small as you could possibly get it with still being gosh still being legible so it's like i would say if they were even able to make it into a mass market paperback it would probably be like two thousand pages and Uh, i would need that on my kindle so i could make the text larger (laughs) yeah and you know it's the man did lead a very interesting life the uh, musical makes it seem more exciting but uh it's it's some of the uh some of the drier material i've read in terms of uh historical uh, books and such i think um uh, David McCullough, who wrote the uh, oh yeah the John Adams one and and a bunch of other <laughs> uh, really good biographies out there. I feel like I'm more his style of writing. Yeah, I like him. I think I've read almost everything of his. I haven't read his last couple. Yeah, I but, have. At least, uh, he's one of my favorite authors. Yeah, I have at least two that uh, that I know I have uh, that I rented from the library that. That uh, I just keep renewing because I haven't had time to get to them yet. But yeah, I'm I, I like his work a lot. But yeah, so that's been eating up a lot of my time is trying to slog through it because I'm I'm a relatively quick reader. I'm not a speed reader by any means, but you know where like a where like a normal book will take me either. Uh, a long weekend or if you know if it's a really quick read like a sunday afternoon like this thing i will sit down and it will take me about three minutes per page just to actually process the information of stuff that i don't understand so Mm -hmm. that's yeah that's how i've been spending my time it's lovely okay yeah yeah i've watched um I watched the virtual talks like from the Walt Disney Family Museum. D23 did one with uh, on Animal Kingdom and Disney Nature Films. So Joe Rohde was there for about half of it. 
So that was really interesting. I saw a bit of that. Yeah. Um, Haunted Orange County's Talk was hosted by Brett Iwan, who, of course, is the voice of Mickey Mouse, with Bob Gurr and Tanya Norris. Now, this was promoted as, uh, you know, talking about the Haunted Mansion, and they did a bit. But, uh, you know, Bob Gurr didn't say anything I haven't heard a few times, but he's always interesting. But Tanya Norris, oh my gosh, where has she been? <laughs> she she only worked for Imagineering for I think 3 years, but she worked on and she she's just had an interesting life. She's British, so she has a lovely um accent. But she she worked on the design of New Orleans Square. Um, bit on the Haunted Mansion. Her designs were the inspiration for the wallpaper of the oh, Haunted Mansion. Wow. But she de- she designed Club 33, the interior. She was an interior designer. She would go on buying trips with Walt and Lillian to, uh, to um, New Orleans to buy things for the park and also for their homes. And then Walt took her to Florida and New York for the World's Fair. And she talked a little about that and how Walt made sure they ate in different restaurants for lunch and dinner so that she would get a good feel for New Orleans. And then she'd never been to New York before. So Walt, so every time, whatever hotels they were all staying at, he would make sure when they drove to the World's Fair, they took different routes so that she would be able to see um, as much of New York as possible. And I thought, I thought, well, you know, it's those little things like that you hear about Walt yeah. that just show his consideration, that, you know? Definitely. So I, I did see this one. Yeah. I was I was working. I did not have a chance to watch it. I, I listened to the sound for about two minutes, but uh, I was scrolling on Facebook while I was working on a video, and, and it popped up, and I was like, okay, this... This is something that I would definitely dedicate some time to sitting down and, and actually watching. So it, it looked, uh, from the little bit that I saw, it looked entertaining at the very least. But, oh, my gosh, she's fascinating. And, and and the thing is, I don't think she likes to talk about herself, which was really funny. And uh, because it was sort of hard to get the details. You know, Brett, Brett just kept asking her questions, and she answered them in as few words as possible. And but she uh, she helped Walt and Lillian, uh, you know, um, design their homes, you know, the interior of their homes, and and the same with um, with Diane and Ron Miller, and and she t- and so she got to know them yeah. as she traveled with them to get you know furniture and things like that, and I thought, okay, oh my gosh, I've got to find out more about her. Yeah, well, but, and that's. Uh... You know, in all the time that we we talk about, like we're losing people that still have that connection to Walt. It's it's fun then when you hear about someone that you know. It's I, I know she's done other small things that because I've seen her name before pop up in articles uh, over the past couple of years and such. But it's definitely at least a story that I haven't heard of before yeah. really in a in a longer setting so it's always nice when disney fans can discover someone new that they they just they don't know that story yet but they are still around to to mm-hmm. give that input because you know it's we can only hear bob Gurr and and uh and richard sherman and or robert sherman oh my gosh why am i 
having this complete meltdown over which one of them's alive. <laughs> Richard it's, Sherman. No, it's Richard. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you. I, I go through that too sometimes. <laughs> yeah, like uh, <laughs> it's it's only nine o'clock. My brain shouldn't be shutting down that much yet at this point. But uh, no, it's a you know those, well, except it's nine p.m. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these these <laughs> stories are you know it's it's always great when we get the chance to hear them but it's nice hearing a, a different fresh story that you don't hear all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that was interesting. So, but but you know certainly not not as much on the haunted mansion, but it was good. Yeah. So, um, but speaking of the virtual talks, the Walt Disney Family Museum, as of the date of this recording, announced new speakers for their virtual happily ever after events on. March 1st, the day this show's released, it's um, animator and television showrunner Butch Hartman. He worked on An American Tale, which was one of my children's favorites mm-hmm. when it came out, and Pocahontas. So, And then he worked on a lot of things for Nickelodeon, most of which I've never heard of. Um, the, also then, um, the uh, did you see on Netflix the, the hand-drawn um, film Klaus? Claus. Yeah, yeah, I watched I watched it. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was yeah. well done. I mean, you had to sort of throw out everything you know about Santa Claus yeah. and the whole story, but I thought it was really well done. Well, on on Friday, May 8th, they're going to have the producer Jinko Goto, Goto, and all that, and he's going to be on that too, but he worked on um, you know, Finding Nemo and Paramount's The Little yeah. Prince amongst other things. Oh, the Lego Movie 2. <laughs> the second part yeah. so um, and all that so that was that's cool yeah. on May 13th they're going to have directors Gary um, Truesdale and Kirk Weiss of course they worked on Beauty and the Beast The Hunchback of Notre Dame and Atlantis The Lost Empire very nice so and then finally on May 20th they're going to have historian Michael Campbell and he's going to talk about his whole career of sharing Walt's life and legacy, and including um, being the curator of the Walt Disney Family Museum's exhibit, All Aboard a Celebration of Walt's Trains. That was back in 2014 yeah. and 2015. So if any of these interest you, they're all at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time on the dates I mentioned. Um, you can register for them at waltdisney.org slash calendar. And they last an hour. So, um, Easy so they're good. They're, yeah. yeah, and what it is, it's a little different from a, a regular uh, museum talk where they do they don't do a presentation. First half of it, they're asked questions by the museum's moderators, and then a um, and then and then it's questions that people who are attending have submitted. Yeah. So, so it's good. Yeah. So you just have to have a Zoom account. Right on. In a lot of ways, it's even though it's Walt Disney Family Museum, it's a a lot like a, a D twenty three panel or another like yeah. you know any other Comic Con or Mega Con panel kind of that style, but just from your homes, which I yeah. I love. I love that they're doing it for people out there. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, all right. Well, a few weeks back, Craig, Mary Jo, and I piled into Mary Jo's car for a trip around Southern California to connect with Walt. And you can experience the first four segments of our magical journey by listening to episodes 134, 135, 143, and 144. And be sure to follow along using the map Mary Jo created that's in our show notes. It has some great features. You can, there's some 
comments that Mary Jo has put in the map. And also there's photos of what these places look like from the street, because you're probably used to seeing a lot of them when people are standing right in front (laughs) and with, you know, perfect photos. But these are photos of what they look like when you're on the street. So they... They're, they look a little different, so uh, so it'll help you to recognize them. So we are continuing our car trip this week, and I believe we are at the Bel Air restaurant where we're going to be enjoying a delicious meal. And, uh, and then we are um, going to head off, and we actually are going to finish uh, our trip. So let's, um, let's head out. Mary Jo, I think you're taking us to the Bel Air restaurant at 662 North Sepulveda Boulevard in Los Angeles. And why did you pick this restaurant out for us? Well, this restaurant is owned by the granddaughter of Roy O. Disney. The first, the oldest daughter or eldest daughter of Roy E. Disney owns this restaurant. So she bought it, she renovated it, and I actually had dinner with her there. Um, So I think it's I think it's a good place to eat it. I mean, definitely, definitely has Disney ties. She has a couple of hidden Mickey's um, in her restaurant, which I thought was kind of cool to see. And she's so involved with the the um, charities that the Disney family continues to promote mm-hmm. among their members. It, I was I just had such an enjoyable time with her, and they're raising their kids right. They're involved. They're quiet. You don't see them. In um, you know the tabloids, etc., and they're they're busy. They're they're doing they're they're living their their normal lives, and part of that is these um, the Cal Arts and other other things that they sponsor. Um, another good thing about this particular restaurant, um, besides the good food and that it belongs to a Disney and is working, is it's it's a good spot between the San Fernando Valley and Los Angeles. And it's right by the Getty Center. So if if in in the things that you're going to do as you're visiting these sites, you also want to hit the Getty Center, you can eat at this restaurant. Have have either of you um, heard of the restaurant or been to it? No, for me, I've heard I've heard of it because you talked about it on the Disneyland show. Okay, what about you, Craig? Nope never never heard never of it. Heard never of been it. there. Okay, it's um. I wouldn't call it a steakhouse. It's it's, but it's cal- kind of like California cuisine. They they they've got fish. They have steaks. They have um, um, the food is just really good quality, and it's a classy place. I they have actual in their windows. They're um, it's they're it's painted um, bougainvillea leaves for the for the whole window. It's just really really beautiful. So I recommend it. Okay, good. Well, I'll have to go there sometime. I, I actually went there and had dinner there. Um, we saw Joe Rohde give a talk at the Getty Center and had dinner at the Bel Air restaurant before listening to him. Oh, very nice. Okay, there you go. Well, now we've recommended a good place to eat. Tama Shanter and now the um, Bel Air restaurant. Okay, now I also remember on the Disneyland show... You were such an admirer. You went on and on talking about 
how much you love John Stamos's Big D and that you never missed an opportunity to catch a peek at his Big D. So, so Mary Jo, tell us, how can we stand on Mulholland Drive and get a glimpse of the Big D on John Stamos? Okay, so what Michael's talking about, everybody, <laughs> is that... Um, Years ago, John John Stamos is a huge, huge Disney fan for anybody who didn't know. And um, back in, I think it was uh, 2000 or so, well, back in in, uh, 1999, they replaced the Disneyland sign. That's the big D Michael's talking about. So they replaced the Disneyland sign and then they auctioned off on eBay the old Disneyland sign. And he went into a bidding war against Michael Jackson and he won. And he bought the he bought the whole sign, and he mounted that fourteen foot letter D in his yard. And if you're driving down Mulholland Drive, you can see it. And I was actually driving there with another Diz friend, Karen. And she looks at me. She where I'm driving, and she says, "Hey, that looks like a Disneyland D." And my foot hit the brakes so fast, and I backed up on this curvy mountain road. And I was like, "Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I know what that is." Anyway, so if you're driving on Mulholland Drive, you can see the Disneyland D that sits in John Stamos's yard. You can't go up to his house because um, he's in a gated community. Kind of smart because it keeps people like Karen and me from actually driving. Yes, and, t- and touching his big D, yes. <laughs> but uh, I, I just think it's really cool that somebody who's, who's such a fan and I was looking, uh, there's pictures of his house. He has another thing in common with one of our friends, Kathy Whirling. In his house, among the artifacts that he has besides this huge Disney Disney D, he's got um, the one of the cars from, the, he has the grump, one of the grumpy cars from Snow White's uh, Scary Adventures. Mm-hmm. He has Figment hanging in his living room. He has a head of a pirate. Uh, among other things, and the, I had to show Kelly. He has one of the devils from Mr. Drode's Wild Ride. Oh, that's great! In his music room, he has a he has a soundproof music room, and he has all of these all of these things. But when I saw that little devil, I started laughing. But since you can't see any of these things from a Holland Drive, you can see the big D. Yeah, yeah. He said um, in an interview, "I tried to hide this. I tried to put it behind my guest house so no one would see. But it's where the tour buses come by, and they go. That dummy lives up there." <laughs> uh, anyway, that is now, and uh, and then so after after you see. John Stamus's Big D. There's Cal Arts, and we've talked about Cal Arts on the show. You know, uh, this uh, you know Walt Disney conceived of a new school for nurturing future generations of creative talent. It, it was a community of arts built around the real life experience of working artists instead of the conventions of the academy. And Walt wanted Walt didn't want to, he didn't want the different um, creative disciplines separated from each other he wanted the different branches to mix and collaborate as a way of sparking new ideas and methods so walt and his brother brother roy started working on this in 1961 when they formed the california institute of the arts they merged two existing schools for art and music at the time of course chenard 
is is the most famous one that that, that merged that be, was part of this merger. And then a, a decade later, in 1970, you know, CalArts opened its doors and it offered programs in art, design, film, music, theater, and dance. And it was um, Walt left a good chunk of his estate and his will to the formation of CalArts. And uh, of all his plans that he had working, you know, at the time of his passing that we talked about, CalArts was the one that was at the top of his list that he wanted to see done. Um, There's a lot of notable alumni from here that you may have heard of, like Tim Burton, John Lasseter, Brad Bird, Andrew Stanton, Henry Selleck, Pete Docter, John Musker, Glenn Keane, and Joe Ramft, Ramft. And that's just a few of people who graduated. Yeah, there's uh, an artist I follow on Facebook that I, Mike Peraza. Who oh, I think yeah. He went, to, he went there also. Him. Yeah. He has pictures of, of him with some of the artists there. But I think one of the things is, is all of us who have seen the Pixar movie has seen a reference to CalArts, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Somewhere in that movie is the A113, which is uh, one of the room numbers of the class, one of the classrooms there at CalArts that it's kind of like their inside joke that they reference it in on, on I think, just about every Pixar movie. You, you'll see it in license plates, on doors. I mean, you see it everywhere. Yeah. So I, I think some people, besides the Pixar ball, you know, that's a thing that hopefully on the second showing, people go and they look for, you know, where or the is- pizza, the pizza planet truck that's in every film. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of them, too. It's really close to Magic Mountain. And I can't believe that I've passed it all these years and I never stopped to just go go check it out. But what a, what a wonderful legacy for for him to leave and back to the Bella restaurant the the artwork on the walls in the restaurant are from the students, the CalArt students. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they change it out regularly um, and feature the different artworks. Well, one of my face favorite places to eat at Disneyland is in actually California adventure. It's at the Carthay circle restaurant. Well, <clears throat> that of course is based on, the Carthay Circle Theater. And so this was one of the most famous movie palaces of Hollywood's golden age. And it was on San Vicente Boulevard, in Los Angeles, 6316 San Vicente Boulevard. It opened in 1926 and was demolished in 1969. So that's where we're going to head. And the auditorium itself was shaped in the form of a perfect circle and extended vertically into a cylinder set inside a square that that was that f- sort of flushed out the remainder of the building and it was initially developed by Fox Studios and it was called the Fox Carthay Circle Theater so and of course we all go full circle now um Disney's erasing the history of Fox, as we talked about on last week's show. Everything that touched Disney, ABC got bought out by Disney, Fox yeah. got out by Disney. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so it, and and it was called the Carthay Circle Theater because of this unique floor plan, and the it was designed by architect A. Dwight Gibbs, and the theater had painted murals depicting scenes of early California by. Uh, artist Frank Tenney Johnson, which included a huge painted fire safety curtain. And some of this artwork has been recreated for the Carthay Circle restaurant on a much smaller scale. 
So the theater hosted the, the official premieres of The Life of Emile Zola in 1937, Romeo and Juliet in 1936. But as we all know, Walt Disney's first animated feature-length film, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, um, was also premiered here at the Carthay Circle Theater. Um, a big, big, big coup for the Carthay Circle was they had the world premiere of Gone with the Wind in 1939. Disney, yeah, Disney's Fantasia in 1940, they had the Fantasound system, which is a, a, a pioneering stereophonic process that, you know, is given away to the, it was, it was the, you know, what all of the wonderful sound systems we have in theaters now all started with Fantasound. Um, Walt Disney's Dumbo had its um, premiere here as well. So um, the only one that rivaled this uh, theater we've already been to, and that was Groman's Chinese Theater. It's the only one that had elaborate premieres the way um, Carthay Circle did as well. But sadly, by the 1960s, this roadshow concept and the Carthay Circle Theater itself was considered an anachronism. And the multi-screen cinemas were becoming popular, and they were more modern. So the customer base had been sapped because people were moving to the suburbs. Film print runs increased uh, um, from a few high-quality high-resolution films to literally thousands or several thousands of average-quality lower-resolution prints. So the final film to play at the Carthay Circle Theater was The Shoes of the Fisherman, starring Anthony Quinn in 1969. And so the theater was demolished in 1969 by its owner, the NAFI Corporation. They built their headquarters there. Um, its main computer operations centers there. There's two low-rise office buildings and a city park are there. But the painted fire safety curtain was saved, and it was installed at the rear of a stage of the Downtown United Artist Theater, which for several decades was a church. Now it's the Ace Theater, and so it's been removed and put into storage until a new home can be found for it. And of course, you know, replicas have been made. We already talked about the the um, Carthay Circle restaurant at um, Disney California Adventure and a, a smaller scale sort of pastiche of the facade, primarily the octagonal tower uh, it serves as the once upon a time gift shop on Sunset Boulevard, opened in 1994 of what was then the Disney MGM Studios at Walt Disney World. So and now it's it sells clothing items I think for men and women. So have you have you you've driven out to this site? Is there any I isn't there something that still remains a fountain or something from the original Carthay Circle Theater? I haven't investigated it, but I do like to explore my backyard, so I think I will. Yeah, I think something is still there, either on like a green medium, because it was out there where they used to do a lot of their big premieres. They would put things out there like, um, you know, recreations of sets from films that were premiering and all that. I'm almost positive there's a statue or a fountain that's still out there that they say. I'd have to go and, and, and look for it, but I 
I would think that they sh- they would put something there just because it's such an iconic um, was an iconic building and it if it weren't for 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 that premiere we certainly wouldn't have what we have today. Oh, absolutely. Disney wise, right? Yeah, yeah. And then a very modern tribute to Walt Disney where you can go and enjoy music. That is the spectacular Walt Disney Concert Hall at 111 South Grand Avenue in Los Angeles. And this opened in in October 24th, 2003. It was designed by Frank Gehry. And it seats 2,265 people. It's the home of the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra and the Los Angeles Master Choral. Lillian Disney Disney kicked this off with an additional gift of $50 million in 1987 uh, uh, to build a performance venue as a gift to the people of Los Angeles and as a tribute to her husband's devotion to the arts and to the city. And then, of course, <laughs> costs went skyrocketed, as usual. Was, didn't that become controversial? It, it did um, for a while, just because, um, you know, people complain about all kinds of things and just the sheer cost of it. And the original design was going to be even more expensive, so Frank Gehry had to change medium, where he was going to build the build a concert hall out of. Yeah, it was going to be a stone exterior, and then they replaced it with less costly stainless steel skin. And, and I thought this was interesting. They actually designed this before the uh, Guggenheim Museum in Bilbao. Mm-hmm. So, it it yes. just took so long to get the money. <laughs> yeah, but I know delays in the project completion caused a lot of financial problems for the county of L.A., and I think the county expected to repay the garage debts because they paid for the garage, which was $110 million. And they sold bonds to for that. And then they weren't getting the revenue to pay off those bonds as soon as they thought they would. And, um, you know, from the, from the Disney parking, um, Disney concert hall parking lot users – so, um, so when it was completed in 2003, the project cost an estimated $274 million. Um, the, the remainder of the total cost of what was initially planned for was paid for by private donations. The, Walt, the Disney family's contribution is estimated to have been about $84.5 million. The Walt Disney Company kicked in another $25 million. For the concert hall, mm-hmm. I've driven by here, and it is a spectacular building. Yeah, I've actually um, walked around uh, around the. We actually went to a a Christmas. Um, it was it was the the chorale that that was there singing, and mm-hmm. Julie Andrews was there, uh-huh. and she read. Um, was the night before Christmas and the chorale sang no 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 I'm sorry not was the night before what am I talking about it was 12 days of Christmas and mm-hmm. she, of course she can't she doesn't sing anymore mm-hmm. so she kind of just uh, sing song the verses and then everybody would you know they would sing the, the song and everything it was a really neat present uh, uh, show but 
there's a garden there, which, which is very interesting. And, um, there's a, it's, these, it's, it's a rooftop garden over there. And in the middle of the garden, they, they have a fountain in the shape of a rose and it's made out of, you know, that Delft China from the Netherlands, oh, that yeah. blue and white. Mm-hmm. So it's broken pieces of China that forms this rose and it has a, a plaque dedicated to Lillian Disney and, and gratitude for her um, kicking, starting off the ingratitude for the, for even starting this, this concert hall. Oh, that's so wonderful. I, yeah, I've been there. It's really, really beautiful. I would love to go there and hear a concert sometime. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so after you're finished listening, of course, you want to drive back to the Disneyland Resort and enjoy Walt's Park. Uh, we're not going to go into a lot of detail here. Listen to my Disneyland at 60 series uh, that started on the Legacy Disneyland show, and then it continued on Connecting with Walt. And you'll know everything you need to know about Disneyland and Walt and everything. I was going to say, it's kind of like the park, Michael. You'll never be finished because there's always something new to talk about. Craig Craig reminded me when we were planning 2020 that I had not yet finished that series. Yeah, we forgot. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't forget. I just didn't quite get around to it. We had so many other things going on. So, uh, But anyway, and then we're going to go full circle. Our last stop. Well, it's Uncle Robert's Garage. You know, like we said, in 1923, when we started out on our on our journey here of connecting with Walt in Southern California, you know, Walt rented his, this garage at Uncle Robert's house, which is originally, remember when we were back at 4406 Kingsville Avenue? Walt had to rent the garage. <laughs> you know, he paid $5 a month for a room at the house. He had to pay another dollar a month for the garage and this was his first animation studio when he got to Hollywood so the garage was saved from demolition in 1984 by Disney fans who rallied to save the structure and they moved it from Kingswell Avenue to its current home in Garden Grove it's at the um, Garden Grove Historical Society Stanley Ranch that's at 12174 South Euclid Street Garden Grove and which you told me was only a few minutes from Disneyland, right, Mary Jo? It's only three miles away. Now, Luella's gone there. Mm-hmm. I've seen her photos. Yeah, I certainly am going to go there because the although to us the the Walt's first studio garage that that's the most important thing to me. But there's other historical buildings that they've gathered, and I think it's a two acres on the property, but. Three miles away from Disney, from excuse me, from Disneyland. Um, it's open the first and third Sunday of each month from one to three thirty p.m. So a lot of times, people when they when they come and they fly in on a Sunday and they're not going to go to the park that day, this is a perfect opportunity to go um, spend the afternoon at this little museum and and see this garage where it all started. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So and. This is where it's all started, and this is where we come to an end on our tour. And um, now, if you don't feel like driving around, but you want to see a lot of these sites, uh, you know, Mary Jo and I both recommend you take Bob Gurr's um, History Bus Tour, and it's it's at waltland.com if you want to check it out. And he does these tours. He goes to a lot of these places and and shares his stories 
and and memories of a lot of these locations, not all of them. Like he's not going to take you to see John Stamos's Big D, but um, but we go to a lot of these places, and he takes you out there, and you walk around, and he chats with you, and stuff, and um, and, and it's a lot of fun, you know. And and I think we did a whole episode on it, so if I remember correctly, so you might want to go back through our archives and find that. I consider so. him a life treasure because of his his contribution to the Disneyland Park and working with Disney himself, you know. So when you see his perspective of what he was doing at the same time that the studios were starting and then his involvement, I, I just think it's really interesting. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like we were saying before we went on air, um, you, you know, how many folks who worked with Walt are still with us who are who are actively you know talking about their experiences with walt so that's a good opportunity but and bring cash because he has lots of merchandise to sell all of it autographed so yeah i actually have a a, the cd he signed for me says uh bffs forever yeah that's sweet well you can go to his house and remind him hey i'm your bff forever he'll say i don't know you (laughs) <laughs> so well in some of the photos he's wearing his connecting with walt shirt so which is nice so he'll wear that frequently because red's his favorite color so i gave him a red connecting with walt shirt so mary joe thank you so much for joining us taking us on on this tour so that we can all connect with walt this was great thank you i've really enjoyed um our virtual our virtual tour and and talking to the two of you. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And let us know if you go out there and you take this tour, Uh, you know, post it on, post some photos of you in front of these places and, you know, send it to us at Connecting Walt on our Twitter page. And uh, so we can see how you've enjoyed all of these places. Show us your Connecting with Walt photos on on our Twitter page at Connecting Walt. That would be a lot of fun. So, um, and who knows who you're going to bump into, like at Walt's Barn and all that. Mm-hmm. Or at the Thomas Shanner. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so ends our drive around Southern California connecting with Walt. So we hope this series inspires you to put together your own tour the next time you're in Southern California. But now it's time for me to gas up Mary Jo's car as Mary Jo and Craig test their knowledge about what happened this week in Disney history. Well, you know, this has been a good uh, history trivia tournament the last few weeks, but this is it. We're going to find out who gets to wear the crown in this tournament because... Mary Jo has won two rounds, and Craig has won two rounds. So this is it. May 3rd, we're going to find out the winner for this week of May 3rd. Okay, so everybody's ready? Oh, yep. Okay, Okay. I'm going to run through the rules in case we have any new listeners. All right. If you choose not to hear the multiple choice options for the questions, you will receive three points for a correct answer. If you choose to hear the multiple choice options, you will receive two points for a correct answer. If you ask me to remove an incorrect option, you will receive one point 
for the correct answer. If you correctly answer the question after your opponent answers the question incorrectly, you will receive one point. Some questions may have opportunities to earn bonus points. You can earn one point for each bonus question answered correctly. In the event of a tie, there will be a tiebreaker question. You may find having pencil and paper nearby helpful for the tiebreaker question. Okay, so Mary Jo, um, would you, as our guest, would you like to receive this first one or pass it on the Craig? I feel a little bit daring today, so I am going to go ahead and take the first one. All right. Okay, so this is for May 3rd. The German crime film M, directed by Fritz Lang, is released in the United States on May 2nd, 1933. It was already in release in Germany since 1931. The film features a drugstore scene in which Disney-related merchandise can be seen. What Disney-related merchandise is on display? May I have multiple choice, sir? (laughs) Sure. Is it A, a magazine stand that includes Mickey Mouse comic books? B, Mickey Mouse figurines? C, boxes of Band-Aids with images of Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck on the boxes. Or D, a display of Mickey Mouse watches for sale. Okay, so we're, it's a drugstore. And drugstores have a lot of magazines and comic books, but they also sell Band-Aids. And we're mm-hmm. talking 1933, a little, little bit before my time. And the first thing I thought of was a Mickey Mouse watch. And I already forgot the other item that you said. Do you want me to run through them again? No, that's okay. Because between for me, it's between the comic book and the watches. So I'm going to go with the comic books. Okay, final answer? Yep. Okay, that is incorrect, but it is a good guess. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, okay, Craig, over to you. And you are our, you know, you're our film expert. <laughs> it is. So in the German crime film M... That was released on May 2nd, 1933. There's a drugstore scene in which Disney-related merchandise can be seen. Is it Mickey Mouse figures, boxes of Band-Aids with images of Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck on the boxes, or a display of Mickey Mouse watches? Mm, I haven't seen this movie, so anything I say would end up being a guess. So... Well, with that, I guess I'll I'll just say watches. That's usually always a safe guess. Okay, final answer. Yes. Okay, that is incorrect. It was actually B. There's a few Mickey Mouse figurines in the background. That's crazy. I never. That, I would not have guessed that. I wouldn't have either. <laughs> so, and the thing is, I haven't seen this since college. In one of my film, in a film class I took, so I have to huh, have to rewatch it sometime. I remember it was a creepy film. So um, anyway, but it was very well done. So I have to see that and look for Mickey. Okay, all right, Craig, over to you for May fourth. Walt Disney's first true life adventure featurette is generally generally released on May 4th, 1949. It had been previewed in theaters back in December 1948. What is the name of this featurette? Mm, I will do multiple choice. Okay, is it A, in Beaver Valley, or also known as Beaver Valley, B, the Living Desert, C, Seal Island, 
or D, the African lion. This is his first true life adventure. I think it might be Seal Island. Okay, final answer? Going to say final answer. That is correct. Yep, Seal Island. It was dis- it was um, directed by James Algar. It studies the saga of life on Seal Island, one of the tiny specks of land on the Bering Sea. What's interesting about this one, I think we might have talked about it on the show once. Um, RKO Radio Pictures, who distributed you know Walt's films at the time, refused to release the half-hour Seal Island. So Walt booked the film for its Los Angeles and New York theatrical engagements, and RKO then agreed to release the film nationally because it it proved it had commercial potential, and it received an Academy Award. Wow! Yeah. So and that was the first nature documentary. So Walt um, Walt started them all. Okay, now and there is. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Nope. Okay. All right, Craig. There's a bonus question. How many true life adventure films were released in total? Well, I know they released them all on those uh, on the box sets way back when and i want to say there was like four and two in each mm-hmm. set maybe so i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna say like 23 maybe okay not quite um a little over but um yeah so i'll, I'll mary joe do you know how many true life adventure films were released for the bonus point I'm just going to have to take a guess and say 19. Okay. No, it was actually 14 altogether. Oh, I really overshot it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, is Seal Island on Disney Plus? I know they've released a number of the True Life Adventure series, but I don't remember seeing Seal Island on there. Yeah. I, yeah, I hope they do release I, it. They should release it, and, and if they don't have it on now, they should do uh, like a special um, introduction of it. Because if for it being the first that they had, you know, that's that's saying something. Yeah, that's significant. But they don't do. The, Craig and I talked about it on a previous show. Um, that that's the one of the disappointing things about Disney Plus is they don't have a lot of extras you know behind the scenes things or giving mm-hmm. a history or background of the films like they would on the blu-ray or dvd sets and i wish they would you know do that because it would it would um it would make everything a lot more interesting so anyway oh well so i just okay. checked they don't have steel island oh okay thanks maybe it'll be in may since it was released in May. Who knows? Okay. That would be cool. Okay. That would be. Okay. I think, Mary Jo, it is your turn, I believe. Is okay. it? Yep. I lose Because I had okay. May 3rd. Okay. Craig had May 4th. If we're on May 5th, it's me. Okay. It's May 5th. The first Mickey Mouse comic strip drawn and inked by Floyd Gottfriedson was published on May 5th, 1930. But who scripted and drew the original Mickey Mouse comic strip before Floyd? I'm not even going to ask for 
for uh, multiple choice because I don't think it would help me. So I'm just going to take a huge guess and I'm going to say uh, Ub Iwerks. Ub Iwerks? Ub Iwerks, okay. yes. Okay. That is incorrect, but that is a very good guess. But that's incorrect. Okay, Craig, over to you. Who scripted and drew the original Mickey Mouse comic strip? Um, I'll give you the other three. Ub was on the list, but was it um, B, Carl Banks, C, Freddie Moore, or D, Walt Disney? I don't think Walt would have his hand in it. And Carl sounds familiar. I think with comics. I'm going to say Carl. Okay. Carl actually drew the Donald Duck comic strips. Um, it was Walt Disney. Well, well, there. In the beginning, but wow. then he didn't have the time. And he just didn't have the time to do it. And so then that's when they hired Floyd to take over. Floyd had already been working for the studio. And then um, Walt asked him to um, work on, on the comic strip. And it was supposed to be a temporary gig, but he did it for decades. <laughs> so and he ended up, yeah, he ended up, he ended up enjoying it. So anyway, so, but the funny thing is he, he and Carl Banks, I don't think they met because the, the Donald Duck comic strip started out, you know, not too long afterwards. Um, they didn't meet until like 1972. Which is really funny when you think of it. They drew the two top Disney comic strips and they didn't meet for like, you know, 40 years. <laughs> so. See, and here I thought that they all worked basically in the same studio working on different projects. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay, May 6th, over to you. Craig, you're in the lead with two points. Stitches Supersonic Celebration, a live stage show in Magic Kingdom's Tomorrowland at Walt Disney World, officially debuted on May 6, 2009. How long did it run before closing? I know we've talked about it before, too. I'm going to just say multiple choice just to help me narrow it down. Okay. Was it A, four weeks, B, six weeks, C, two months, or D, six months? I don't I remember it wasn't even months. So I'm going to say six weeks. You are correct. It was six weeks. What? And it was a debacle. <laughs> so, I would say um, they probably had nobody there then if they, after six weeks, they said, oh no, this just is going nowhere. It was horrible. And oh gosh, I forget who wrote it, but it was like one of their top show writers too. I mean, it, it was an embarrassment. I don't know. I, I don't remember if I saw it live or I saw a video of it, but I just remember it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've watched a part of a video of it. I've, I've never, I didn't see it live. So, uh, but yeah. you know, even Da Vinci made some bad stuff every now and then, right? I, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't represent this. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of what he did yeah. well you know his, his plane didn't fly i don't know there we go but, yeah. okay yeah okay mary joe it's over to you for may 7th the walt disney studios feature animation building on riverside drive in burbank california hey we were just driving by there yeah. um a few weeks ago on our little journey um 
This, it first opened in 1995 across from Walt's original studio. It's rededicated and renamed on May 7th, 2010. For whom is the building named on this day? I would say for Roy Disney. That is correct. Oh, which Roy Disney? There's two. The, the, not Walt's brother, but his nephew. Roy, Roy E. Disney? Yeah, Roy E. Disney. Okay, um, final answer? Yes. You are absolutely correct. Can I, can I just add something to that? Sure, yeah. I was absolutely. there. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, um, my friend Leslie, I, I think it was a D23 event maybe where she got tickets and we, um, we actually were there. I was, I was so thrilled. And um, Bob, I, no, was it Bob Iger? I think, yeah, because it was still, so Bob Iger was there. We saw a film, um, and we went across the bridge and saw a film, and uh, Richard Sherman was there, like, two rows in front of us, so I was totally geeking out. He was there with his family uh-huh. watching the film. So, yeah, I have pictures, and was, that was that was oh, cool. truly a cool, cool event. Was it a film about the life of Roy E. Disney? No, it was just a, it was just a regular uh, Disney Disney film, and I, I can't, if, if Leslie would remember what it is, and I'm sure I, I have it in my notes someplace, but um, it was not a film about Ray, Ray Disney, but I remember that we were under, you know, they have an animator's hat there in, at, at that right. building, and the, I remember they had, pardon me? The sorcerer's Is it the sorcerer's hat? hat? Yeah, yeah, they have a sorcerer's hat there, and you can actually see it if you're going to the Walt Disney Studios, and if you're on Al, not Alameda, the other... Uh, Riverside, you can actually see the sorcerer's hat, um, and mm-hmm. you can see it from the freeway also, and and the animation building. And I just remember the, I I just I was thrilled to be that to to be seeing this because to me it was um, a bit of history, right? To, oh, to see this dedication. Yeah. So that was a very very cool event. Oh, that is neat. Yeah. Yeah. The building once housed the office of Roy Disney. And of course, he was um, Walt's nephew and the former head of Walt Disney Feature Animation. And Mm -hmm. he had passed away in December 2009. So that was the reason for this honor. So that's very cool. Okay. All right. So, well, now it's um, Craig has four. Mary Jo, you have three. You're catching up. I'm happy for my three. (laughs) Good. You should be. Okay, um, over to Craig for May 8th. On May 8th, 1991, newspapers reported that the Walt Disney Company had proposed a $3.1 billion project to build a new theme park. What was its reported name? I, um, I, someone was just posting about this on social media, like, a couple days ago. So it is, it's fresh in my mind, but uh, Westcott. Absolutely. It is Westcott in Anaheim, California. The tentative plans call to build hotels, retail space, and a second theme park. And it's patterned after Epcot on 470 acres. We, we have to do an episode or two on this because it was amazing what they were going to do. It was um, such the part- big news over here. Yeah. It was. It was huge. And then all the neighbors started complaining. Um, the The park would be part of the Anaheim Commercial Recreation Area, a multi-day destination. They hoped it would be just like Walt Disney World. 
So anyway, very good. Yeah, but then the neighbors saw the plans and they started screaming about it because there was going to be a spaceship Earth-like sphere and thought it was too big. It would be too bright. It was going to be gold rather than silver. You the know, golden steak makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that. Okay, what well, could have been? Okay, um, May 9th. And Mary Jo, this is back to you. Craig has seven, you have three, but you still have plenty of time to catch up. What Disneyland entertainer guest starred on episode 520 of the television series The Muppet Show on May 9th, 1981? The Muppet Show, Disneyland entertainer? Mm hmm. I don't even think multiple. Let me think. What what year was this again? May 9th, 1981. I loved The Muppet Show when I was a boy. Oh, so did. So did well, I. I think I, well, I wasn't a boy. I was going to say, well, you're when a boy it's, at Well, heart, when it so started, when I started, I think it was, I was in college. I was in grade school when it started, but I remember a Saturday sitting with my mom and my mom, dad, my brother, and I sat in for a whole afternoon on Saturday. We watched the Muppet Show, and we laughed the whole the whole day. Yeah. There for some reason, I'm because you're saying Disneyland Entertainer. I'm going to say Wally Bogue. Final answer. Yep. You are correct. Yes. Yep. Arms in the air. Yes. Okay, yeah, and you and you've met Wally Bogues. So. <laughs> I've met Wally Bogues. So, uh-huh, so this is perfect. Yeah, in in honor of Wally Bogue, the Muppets salute vaudeville with a balloon animal act, bagpipes, and even a hypnotist. Um, Wally also performs acts he made famous at the Golden Horseshoe Review at Disneyland, including the Pecos Bill teeth spitting sketch, which was a hoot. So you saw that, right? Yeah. The the Craig, did you were you ever able to see the original um horseshoe review with Wally Bogus Peco Spill? I I oh, don't God. think that there was ever an audience that didn't laugh so hard when he would So Michael, explain explain what we're talking about. Well oh well Wally but well first he came on as a um like he was a traveling salesman and he was hilarious and then in sort of the second half of the show, he came back as um, as 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 Pecos Bill because they told the story of Pecos Bill because Slewfoot Sue, you know, was the hostess of the of the Golden Horseshoe, and so she sang the whole story. And then at one point, somewhere along the way, he puts like white beans in his mouth. Yeah, and he gets a and, little cheeky with her. Yeah, and and then. So at some point they accidentally they, they like hit him in the mouth with was is it an instrument or with what I can't remember I, I forget what it is that she hits him with the mouth but he yeah. gets cheeky with her and she kind of like slaps oh maybe him. she slaps him she slaps yeah. him and then he starts spitting out these teeth which are beans that you think are cheap but his aim was amazing because he could hit like the symbol in the orchestra that was down in front of the stage. 
And he kept it up. It was up for like the rest of the show. Even after that part, that segment was done, he was still spitting them out. Even when they were doing their bows, he yeah. still spit some into the audience. He would still have them. And then, yeah. and then as the years went on, because they always played this, the band, because they had a live orchestra or live band in front. And they remember they had ping pong battle paddles and they would hit oh, them that's back right. and they would hit them They'd back hit to a- the stage. Oh, gosh. It was. There was never a show as good as that at this Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, everybody so was so good. Everybody was so good. Mm-hmm. That show. But anyway. Oh, well. <laughs> okay, very good. Okay, six to seven. Uh, and now this is a general question. It goes to Craig. Craig, in order to become a real boy, Walt Disney's Pinocchio had to prove himself brave, truthful, and what else? I am pretty stumped by this, so I'm just going to take a guess and say kind. Okay, final answer? Yeah. That is not correct. So, Mary Jo, if you get this for one point, it's a tie, and then we go to a tiebreaker. So, in order to become a real boy, Walt Disney's Pinocchio had to prove himself brave, truthful, and... I, I, the word I'm thinking of is sacrificing, but it's not. It's where he thinks of others instead of himself. Um, but I know you're looking for the word. Yes, I need the word. I'm going to say courageous. It's, and then that's the wrong word, but I'm going to. Final answer? Yeah, final answer. Okay, that's incorrect. And I'm sure we have listeners that we can all hear right now (laughs) shouting unselfish. Unselfish. It had to be brave, truthful, and unselfish. I couldn't think of that word. Okay. Yeah, you were very close to it, though, when you were thinking out loud, working it through. You had the meaning of it down yeah i had the general idea but yeah. that was okay. a good general question yeah yeah uh, Craig, your favorite favorite anim- one, animated feature right with my favorite my favorite classic animated feature my favorite modern one is princess and the frog which i just watched the other day on disney plus so um and i had to, and i even had to back up because I, there were two two of my favorite songs that i wanted to like you know um the mama Odie song that for some reason Tiana always sings in the park. So, you know, gotta, you know, give a little, you think I'd know the words, wouldn't you? I love that song. And then, um, I forget the other one I really like, but anyway, I backed it up a couple of times. Anyway, so Craig, by one point, you continue to wear the crown of our history king here on Connecting with Walt. So anyway, so Mary Jo, thank you so much, not only for being our chauffeur, but for and taking us around Los Angeles so we can connect with Walt. I know a lot of listeners are going to do this tour. I get a lot of um, messages, questions from our Connecting with Walt family about when they're in L.A., where can they go to um, learn more about Walt or to see places that are important to Walt. So these five episodes, basically that's it. And then Mary Jo's map. Um, is all you need to really go to 
to all the important places in Walt's life. So, Mary Jo, thank you so much for helping us with this episode and for putting together that wonderful map. It's totally been a a pleasure, and thank you for letting me share some time with the both of you on your show. I love listening to you um, with with all of your shows that, that you have, so I feel honored that you you're including me in part of it. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Well, it's, it's nice to, you know, Craig and I always love to bring back, um, you know, the folks from our, our Disneyland legacy show. So, um, especially with Disneyland celebrating its 65th anniversary, it's mm-hmm. nice to bring back our, you know, uh, all of our, our different correspondence from our original Disneyland show. So anyway, so I'm sure we'll have you back again. Thank you. And I'm sure I'll see you in the park. Yes, hopefully so. soon. So kind I know of. I have I have a I have I have a couple of trips planned. So I'll I'll let you know and then we have to then there's one we have to reschedule yep. with with the whole gang. So yes. um, anyway, so we'll have to start talking about that. But anyway, so thank you so much. Craig, you know, as much as I enjoyed Bob Gurr's Waltland tour, and I encourage folks to sign up for it when his tours resume, I really think you, me, and Mary Jo should consider a Connecting with Walt bus tour someday. <laughs> it's <laughs> something that I would enjoy, especially. Are you a Seinfeld fan? Um, oh, is that like the, the his car tours that he does? Well, Comedians in cars? Uh, car? No, in, uh, in the show Seinfeld, there was a, a point in time where Kramer did, uh, he did a bus tour through New York City doing the real, the real Kramer tour because he had sold some of his stories to, to Peterman and it, it gets confusing beyond there. But that's anytime I think of a bus tour, I think of that because like it was terrible. Like he made, he offered them a meal so he would make like uh, pizzas. But when he ran out of the ingredients, he would put it on like a bagel and other very strange, like a cinnamon raisin bagel. And they had to stop at the dump so he could throw out some uh, muffin stumps and just like when I think of these bus tours especially if one was ours like I want it to be that bad it needs to to be entertaining but it also has to have a level of cringiness to it oh dear I don't know well I'll let you plan that part of it good good (laughs) but um, we have to have a professional bus driver and all that okay (laughs) Um, yeah I, I mean I have no idea what would be involved in something like this but you know we could we could pull it off sometime. Have the profits go to give kids the world yeah. or something. I don't know. It would be fun. Yeah. We could do it someday. I think so. So, anyway. All right. But this was fun. Yeah. But, you know, uh, next week we will – next week is our – finally our Q&A episode. Yeah. That we were going to do, what, um, back on March 1st or something? Yeah. I mean, a couple <laughs> things happened here and there in between. And, I mean, heck, yes. we didn't even know when we started this journey with Mary Jo – we that night when we finished, Mary Jo thought that this would actually be one full episode, <laughs> and it's like, yeah. oh, that would have that would have been the four hour long episode everyone's been asking us for for the longest time that they'll probably never get. I think our record was three and a half hours for one episode. Way oh back yeah, in the day. that was when we. Um, oh yeah, that was when we did the. 
Oh, what was it? We 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 were only like four months out of the year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it might have been. Yeah, it was back then, and it might have been your your uh, trip report from when you went to China. To China, in, yeah. Japan. So, and I had I had like just barely got off. I was only home for hours. Yeah. Few hours. I just got off the plane when we did that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Was, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's that was crazy, but <laughs> but anyway, but it, it was a great trip. Yeah, I'm glad I, I'm glad I was able to do it. <laughs> I, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, well, all right. So, yeah. So we, so I already have for those of you thinking, oh great, I will. Sub- I still have a week to submit my questions. Now I grabbed those questions, and and we're all set. So. um so, so don't don't look for that post on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, and our our next one will probably be considering uh, this episode releases this current episode we're talking about releases on May first. Will probably be like closer to the end of July before the next one. So not a not a lot of time in between. But keep your keep your eyes open and your ears open as well too, if you can control mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll let you know. Yep when it's time to submit more questions. So, all righty. Well, Craig, until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? As always, you can find me on all the various social media platforms at Teleclaster. Um, that's primarily on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You'll find me a couple other places, but those are the only ones I do stuff on. So, Michael, what about you? Well, you can send me messages at Michael at WDWinfo.com. Twitter, I'm at M Bowling one two one Facebook I'm Michael Bowling Instagram Michael Bowling the Diz I got to get back on Instagram I haven't really done too much on that lately um, but you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter at Connecting Walt if you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney his studios his Imagineers and Disneyland check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disneyplug.com or Check the uh, the link that Craig always has in our show notes for those. And look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings when possible. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. Roy.